This is the Landlord Survival Show. When people stop being nice and shit gets real. You're the landlord. We're here to help. This is the show for what the gurus don't tell you about owning rentals. We're here for you because we're stronger together. Brought to you by Empire Industries Property Management. Built for investors by investors. For more information about this show, please visit our website, selfmanagemyproperty.com, home of the ultimate Landlord Survival Handbook. Now, the Landlord Survival Show with your host, Steve Rosenberg. And I am the creator of the Landlord Survival Show. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. We've got a great show with some uh, great guys. Well, one of them is here. The other one is stuck <laughs> in some sort of uh, illusionary traffic on his way, but I'm sure he'll make his way in here. Uh, so I just want to talk to everyone about the Landlord Survival Show, what it exists for, why we created it, what our goal is with it. And uh, the Landlord Survival Show is very simply, it's a show for the investors. It's a show for people that are out there grinding it out, trying to find a solution to a better way to be an investor. And whatever that is, whether that's flipping properties wholesaling, you know, buy and hold, it really doesn't matter. It's a way for all of us to come together and figure out some solutions that we're all looking for. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're all trying to find a better way to make our lives work. And so the reason we created this uh, show and we created a website, selfmanagemyproperty.com, is because we feel that there's a lot of people out there that love to prey on, we'll say, the laziness and greed of investors. And what I mean by that is a lot of us want to have that safe, secure money flowing in, whether that's through you know flipping properties or whatever it is. And no one really wants to take the time to learn that. And I think a lot of people out there, unfortunately, know that and they take advantage of that because they know everybody wants the easy button. They know that a lot of people are not going to put in the work They're not going to grind it out. They're not going to do all the things that they need to do. And because of that, they end up getting taken advantage of. And they end up making bad decisions. They buy bad properties. They make wrong uh, acquisition moves because they don't take the time to learn. I know because I was one of them. So I bought a lot of wrong properties very simply because no one ever asked me what my goal was and why I should be buying these properties. I bought a lot of crappy homes in low-income areas that were never going to give me the return that I thought they were going to give me. And it's not that they were bad deals. They just were not good deals for me because they didn't align with my goals very simply because I didn't have goals. I never actually took the time to sit down and write out goals and write out a strategy. And what's important to understand here, I think, is that if you flip properties, if you buy and hold, if you wholesale, if you rehab You need to understand that these are not goals. These are all strategies to get you to an ultimate goal. So if somebody tells you, why are you doing this or what are you doing this for? And they say, I want to flip. That is just a strategy to get you somewhere. That somewhere, that end of the rainbow could be passive income. It could be wealth. It could be passing a legacy down to your children, whatever that is. But you got to understand that. Those are just strategies. That is not the goal. And I think a lot of people misinterpret that because 
and again, I was one of them, I never took the time to learn definitions. And I never took the time to educate myself on what it was that I wanted to do and how to become the best at that. I just was running around thinking everything was a deal and I was buying everything I could. And unfortunately, I got taken advantage of. I bought a lot of wrong properties. And what you're going to learn is if you're someone like me and you're ready, shoot, aim kind of guy is there's a lot of people that will take your money and they will sell you these crappy houses and they will sell you bad deals because it's on you to learn what is a good deal and what is a bad deal. One of the things that we've done with the ultimate, uh, with the landlord survival show is uh, my business partner, Pete and I, we have a property management company. We manage about a thousand properties in the Houston, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And we created a manual and that manual is called the ultimate survival handbook. And very simply, what we do with that manual is it is how we run our properties on a daily basis. And it's the stuff that you don't ever think about and you don't even know and you don't even know what's coming around the corner um, for that you see coming. For example, when you have a property, how do you know what animals are on the dangerous breed list that your insurance company will cancel you for? Well, unless you have a tenant and you're leasing a lot of properties continually, you probably wouldn't know what those are, let alone fair housing laws, discrimination laws, um, Texas property code, fair housing, fair credit reporting act, all the scary things that people just kind of try to hope and pray that nothing happens to them and hope that they don't violate the law. And unfortunately, when you do violate the law and you get in trouble, you know that because you're standing in front of a judge. So one of the things that we've learned... um, with that is we want to make sure that we educate people because you're going to hear from this show and, and from my guests today, we're going to talk a lot about education and what these guys are doing to, to change the perception of what we're doing with education and all that kind of stuff. Um, so again, I, I want to make sure people understand how this works and how educating people is so, so important. So first, I got uh, I, well. I've got a funny story uh, with 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 got the guys from Draco here. So um, first, say hi. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, and then we'll tell how you and I know each other from a past life. Right. So Andre King with Draco Properties, and we're a wholesale company here in the Houston area. Um, we also put on a um, a monthly meetup uh, called Wholesale Nation, where we go out and uh, help wholesalers, new wholesalers, experienced wholesalers, either you know learn how to get started in the business or if they're looking to grow their business, how to scale it. Um, but that's uh, that's what we do here in the Houston market. So, how long have you guys been doing this for? I've been now for a little over three years now. Okay. I've been doing this. Andy's been uh, a little over four years. He started flipping. Um, I started off in the wholesale business. All right. So maybe just for definition purposes, some people know, some people don't know, and some people think they know, and they don't actually know what each of these definitions are. Can you explain what the difference is between a flipper and a wholesaler? Yeah. So the wholesaler goes out and um, negotiate a price with a uh, seller, and they will typically just get the house under contract, or sometimes they will close on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in most cases, they would get the house under contract, and then they will assign that contract to someone like a flipper. Okay. Right. And then they would get the spread in the middle. Um, the flipper would typically they can do the same. They can go out and find the house, but they'll usually go out and then and then, of course, rehab the house and then sell it on the back end. So the flipper takes it a step further than the wholesaler. So maybe to, to educate people. So the the wholesaler is, is the first step in the process. Maybe they have a toe in the water. Right. A wholesaler maybe has a, f- a leg in the water. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, a flipper 
a wholesaler has a toe, right. the flipper has the leg, and the buy and hold is all the way in the water. That's correct. Is that, is that a, a good way to that, a, analyze that's a, it? That's a good way to look at it uh, because you look at who has the most skin in the game, right? Exactly. So, and typically it's the wholesaler who really doesn't have much skin in the game. Typically we have like $10 in the game yep. Uh, yep. when we do this. Um, and then, of course, the flipper, um, you know, they may have they have money out there. They have private money. They may have a hard money loan on, on the house. So, yeah, they, they, they want to sell this house in the next uh, – um, six months or, or sooner. And then, of course, you got your, your flipper that's planning on, you know, this thing being a long-term, um, you know, investment for them, which, um, you know, the market could go up, it could go down, but they have to make sure that they're buying it right. for. You got to buy it correctly. Yeah, so correct. what are the pros and cons with people that flip as to people that wholesale? What's, what's the pluses and minuses on that? Right. So it's kind of like what I said. Typically, you're going to have um, bigger spreads and in a flip. Okay. All right. However, you are going to be in the house a lot longer. You got some more skin in the game. Right. Yeah. You got more skin in the game. Um, you know, you figure you're going to be you're going to be flipping the house, um, um, and you're going to be in it a lot longer term. Gotcha. Okay? Gotcha. Um, when you're wholesaling, of course, it's a lot uh, shorter. All right. Typically, you're in and out. We're usually in and out within 30 days, um, but we, we get paid faster. And that and that. In right. That so you sense. may make less money, but you're in and out, and and you're not as committed financially. Correct. Now. And you may have an option or whatever whatever it is you're doing, double right. close or you know all these other fancy right. algorithms and shit that goes on when you're when you're doing these things. Right. So, um, Andy, thanks for coming today. Appreciate you making it. Yeah, you a little traffic yeah. action going on there, huh? I had some trouble. I had a little Houston, a little here. Houston traffic, right? Houston hit. That's you know, all right. The weather changes a little bit. People forget how to drive. So <laughs> that is true. I got that caught up on the the east ramp. Well, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Um, so tell everyone kind of a you, your background, and, and kind of what how you got into this. Okay. So I started off in supply chain management. I was a supply chain manager. Kind of realized that that's. That was my end goal at 27, where I wanted to be. What does that mean, supply chain? Supply chain is just taking a product from manufacturer to consumer. Okay. Um, everything in between, the processes in between. But I kind of realized that you know there was nothing left, and started looking into real estate. Um, thought that flipping was the dream. You know, I got caught up in the HGTV and whatnot. Yep. yep. And Vanilla Ice, man. He's Vanilla Ice. Yeah, I was. I was hooked on that show. Did you know that he keeps his properties that he flips? He doesn't sell them. Really, I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, I, I got a, a a gentleman that I that I met in uh, Dallas. We were doing an event together, and, and he he got to spend a lot of time with him. Um, says he's a great guy and everything, but he, he told me that that's that's what he told him. He doesn't sell his properties; he holds them. Wow, he was doing some pretty high end stuff too. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. So no. Go ahead. So spent uh, about two and a half years as a flipper. Went through a number of different. You know, education platforms, trying to get better. Mm -hmm. I've always believed in education. Yep. Then uh, under, that's actually where Andre and I met. year and a half uh, mm -hmm. after meeting, we started spending a bunch of time together, masterminding together. Great. Decided that, you know, I think I decided first at that point that, hey, we need to start working together. Right. And then, you know, I'm, the rest is history. So right. let me ask you this now. Okay, so l let's talk about this because partnerships – can be good and they can be horrible. Right. And they right. can start out good and turn horrible, right? Right. So what are some challenges that you guys have had as far as like making sure the vision, right? Because you guys got to you guys came from different different spectrums, not different spectrums. I mean, you wholesale flip, it's it's not that far off, right? There's just there's some conceptual differences on on how to do it. Do you guys only do one? Do you do both? What what what's your model? 
Yeah, so for the most part, we are about 98% wholesale. So where I would say we're mainly wholesale. Um, you know, typically our flips are what we call hotels. Like we typically would take the house down, we'll clean it up, uh, we'll paint it, maybe put some flooring in it. But it's typically under about 13000 or basic, so. Basic make-ready level. Right. right. And we'll just put it back on the market. Okay. Right. We typically don't take a house all the way down and then fix to it the right studs. back up and do the flip. Now, what, yeah. what, what is the, again, is it just turning your money quicker? Is that why you guys would rather wholesale than flip? It's yeah. focus. Yeah, focus. We, we, we see it that in it's it's our market also. You know, we have friends in other markets and we see that um, in our market, we see it to be um, a, a wholesale market to a landlord. It seems to be um, what's best in our market right, right. now. And well, this what is what for. works today, right? right. So mm -hmm. if the market shifts, do you guys all of a sudden have a conversation and say, mm -hmm. we need to audibleize and start changing our model? Right. Yeah. Things change. And of course, we want to change with it or be ahead of it. Right? So if, if I was listening to the show and I was looking at flipping and I was in another city or, you know, wherever or even in Houston, do you guys have some parameters or some indicators that say, OK, these are these are what we're watching. And if this mm -hmm. starts changing, whether it's days on market or something, what is that inventory? So we look at what's the inventory in, okay. in the market. If we're seeing it stand steady or are we seeing it going down? OK, um, that's the things that we're watching. So if we see inventory going up, we know that flippers may start might want to start pulling back a little bit. Right. So I think right now we're somewhere around four, four months. If we start seeing that start to increase, um, then we're probably seeing some of our flippers kind of back out a little bit. So we want to make sure that we're getting the right type of properties because if we don't have a buyer for that property and we sure are not going to flip it if they don't want to flip it, right? right. Um, and so we want to dial our marketing back and look for the properties for, uh, you know, maybe for landlords or owner finance at that point. So where we're at right now, we're watching the interest rate. Okay. You so know, the interest our, rates, our is, that the, is that the first part of the indicator? Well, most of our properties are sold to landlords. Right. So if, if that money starts drying up, interest rates starts going up, that buyer pool goes down. Makes sense. You know, we're in the business of helping people build portfolios. Right. So, you know, we need to watch that. Um, on the flip side, it's definitely days on market, you know, uh, mm -hmm. different price points, stuff so like that. So let me ask you this. So when you're – okay, so you guys – We'll back up a second here because this is interesting to me. So, because our our target is your target, right, right? Right. Our target is downstream from your target. As a management company, we are looking for investors that own the properties mm -hmm. and that have the right kind of properties. Mm -hmm. And what I have learned, and and again, this is the same thing with self managers, um, just like this show, or whether it's with with the Empire Industries management company. <clears throat> I, what I see is a big void. In, in the industry, in, in all, you know, not just Houston, but around the world from talking to people, is that the, the big void is that a lot of people don't take the time, the wholesalers and the flippers, to educate the investor for the morning after, for the hangover period right, once they right, own it. Right. And and I think that – I think if more time and – and we're going to talk about your education thing that you guys are doing and mm -hmm. maybe it's something you guys can expand on in your model. Right. But I think if more time was taken to educate these investors on what to buy, because the 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 perception is, and, and we do a lot of work with realtors. Okay, we we get a lot of referrals from realtors mm -hmm. that are, you know, and and I, I teach CE classes to agents. And one of my questions to agents, you know, when I speaking at an event or something, is, do you work with investors? And a lot of them say, no, we don't work with investors. And I'll ask them, what's your perception of an investor? Mm -hmm. Well, they want fifty percent off of a deal. They want this. They run you around this and that. So it's this big, ugly, hairy monster. Right. Is their perception right? What they don't realize, what a lot of agents don't realize, is 72% of all the people that buy their first investment property do not use the agent that helped them buy their residential property. 
Mm-hmm. There's a message disconnect. So I explain to them, I say, mm-hmm. if you sold a house for 200, 300, 400,000, $500,000, you know, I'll ask them, have you ever sold a house to a client? And they'll say, yes. Have you ever helped someone buy? Yes. I go, do you think that that client maybe has some liquidity or some IRA or 401k money that at some point in their life, they're going to go, you know, I'm just not getting a return out of this. I wonder what this real estate's about. Maybe I'll look at buying real estate. And I go, do you think there's a chance that that could be something that happens? And they say, yeah. I said, do you know that 80% of those people are the ones that are buying the rental properties that you don't touch, the investors? So you think the 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 realtor perception is that mm-hmm. the investor is the person that's running around to Home Depot, 50 properties, running three crews, getting mm-hmm. everything at you know 50 cents on the dollar. I said, that's not reality. The right. reality is, is you are working with investors. You just don't realize it because you're not seeing that in your, your filter. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a message disconnect. If you were to tell that investor, if you were to tell that client, when you buy, help them buy a home, help them sell a home, hey, if you're ever thinking of getting involved in real estate, I can help you build a portfolio and get you on the road to wealth. I say, if you just said that one sentence to them when you close on a deal, do you know how much residual? Because I told them, I said, if you make the call and you start calling up your old clients and find out how many, let's let's just say a threshold of $200,000 house and above. Right. If you... and the bigger challenge is a lot of agents don't do that residual um, drip campaigning, right. touching they don't them. Up. They don't yeah. follow yeah. up. It'll They're all... great at the acquisition. They're horrible at, at secondary money Right. <clears throat> in general. So I tell them, if you called up those people, you would be disgusted at how much money you have lost <laughs> by these in, these clients have bought a property. And the one thing when you ask them, why didn't you call me, their message would say, Oh, this was an investment property. You do residential. Right. Right. <laughs> and I go, that's the that's the challenge. I said, so your belief, your fear that you don't work with investors is costing you a lot of money because the average investor owns three to five houses. Mm-hmm. That's the average. Mm-hmm. They sell those houses on year three, year five, and year seven. They do that for cash flow, depreciation, appreciation, equity capture, 1031. Right. They have an equity, they have a, a, a um, exit strategy. And so my thing is, is if you were to take your time as an agent or flippers for that matter and educate an investor on what is a good investment property and how to have a sustainable business model post closing, mm-hmm. do you know how many more the residual of that clients would come back to repurchase more properties from you? Because, you know, we've learned in business with my company and stuff is, you know, there's a cost per acquisition, right? The more times we can get that client to repurchase properties from us, our acquisition cost goes down. Right. So I explained to them, why don't you do that? And they're just like, I don't even know the words that you're saying, you know, acquisition. <laughs> but that's a, you know, I mean, that's a problem. Right. But, right. you know, like with you guys, there's a lot of investors that get great deals from flippers and wholesalers. I buy them. I bought several from Senna. You know, I mean, right. I, it's a great deal. I know what I'm looking for. They know what I want. They tell me I've got a deal for you. No, rock and roll. Let's do right. this, right? But I think a lot of, you know, and, and we'll talk about what you guys were doing with, with educating wholesalers. I think if they did that, I think that the name wholesaler, flipper, would not be have that bad connotation. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a four-letter word. It's a four-letter word. Right, right. And, and I think if there was some education on how to help them be successful, as opposed to getting that check and saying, deuces, I'm out, later, good right. luck. And then this investor is going, wait a second, where's this passive income? What This isn't working. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they go, real estate sucks. Well, the reason real estate sucks for them is no one ever told them create a business model. Right. Right. The no challenge one, the challenge with wholesalers is there's such a low barrier for entry 
you can't expect the wholesaler to educate the buyer on what they need to know. You know, after they buy the house, I mean, we're yeah, a lot of investors are lost. I, I agree. You know? I agree. And that's why one out of three are in a lawsuit every year. Mm-hmm. One right. out of three investors are in some form of lawsuit or litigation. Wow. Fair housing, discrimination, eviction, security deposit disposition is the number one reason for lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and it's just – it really is a matter of education because investors are not dumb people. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they, they've got they, – they got it. They understand the value yeah. of it. Right. They spend so much time worrying about the front end. Worrying about how do I buy it? What's the interest rate? What's my insurance? What's this? What's that? They never ever think about how am I going to run this for the next twenty years and actually right. get that twenty percent, thirty percent? And are the right. you know? And so my thing is is and again I was you know my background of buying bad properties and, and losing a lot of money. It's all on you. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, nobody cares. You know, you, you get your ass handed to you. You buy you buy some some shitty properties. At the end of the day, nobody cares. They're right. going to go, you know what? That's on you. Buyer beware. Right. And, and I agree. You know what? It was my fault. I did not have a good business plan. I made a lot of mistakes. Now, those mistakes turned into a very successful property management company and other things. But I'll tell you what. It is not a good feeling when you have these properties and you're going, what am I going to do? Not only do you have one. I mean, we had like 35 of these things. Wow. And it was like, what are we doing? This is not working. The reality was is... We just weren't working like a business. I mean, that, that at the end of the day, that was our problem. Mm-hmm. And, and we learned a lot of valuable lessons from that. So let, let's talk about what you guys are doing. on. And I don't know if this is something that you guys can, can morph into because right. you're doing something already on the education level. So we've, we've already been talking about that, right? Um, so from going out and, and wholesaling our properties, one thing that we started doing was looking at the properties that are selling around it. And looking for the, the retail investor that's already buying. Yep. And so one thing we noticed is that when you start looking at that, um, we're looking at we have a property in spring right now. And I started looking around and there's like there's people that own two and three properties. You know, you yep. pull them up and they have two or three properties in their portfolio. Right. Um, and whether the realtor is working with them or, or not, they don't know anything about the investor world. Absolutely. They're not in meetings, RIAs, yeah. anything. They're on a job. No one's really educating them on how to grow this thing out. And so that was one of the things that we were talking about is our next step is to be able to bridge the gap between investors and, and also realtors. Absolutely. Right? And, and we feel like it's a, it's a disconnect. Um, Andy spent some time out in, in Arizona and um, and really saw where the investors and the realtors were working kind of hand in hand, mm-hmm. um, you know, to 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 be able to help um, investors and help sellers and things like that. Right now, we kind of play against each other. Right. Uh, one's hide from the other. Yeah. Um, and so um, that would be our, our next step is is more of a meeting for investors and also realtors. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you guys did something where, you, you know, you kind of bring the powers that, you know, at the end of the day, if you brought everyone together at the end of the day, the ultimate goal the ultimate goal of an investor mm-hmm. is to have that safe, secure freedom, mm-hmm. right? That future, that 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 pie in the sky, right? And that's different for everyone, right? I mean, a lot of people say like, I want $10,000. Well, it's not the $10,000 in cash flow they're going to get. It's what that gives you. Right. It gives you freedom. And it gives you the, the being able to cut ties from everything. That's really what they want. They want to have their own island that they feel safe and secure on. And they feel $10,000 a month in passive income or 20, whatever that number is, will give them that safety. Mm-hmm. So you got to ask yourself, how do you get them to that island as quick as possible right. and as painless as possible? And, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge, there's several challenges that I've learned um, firsthand, unfortunately. But <laughs> the, some of the challenges that I've learned is that a lot of investors, you know, they, they think they have to do it themselves. Right. 
They think it's an ego thing. They think it's a, you know, I, I've, I've got to do this. I've got to take care of this. When everything that you've ever learned, whether it's in sports, it's a team effort. You hear about, you know, all these people that are successful. They never say it was just me. It's right. always a team. It's all about leverage. You know, as investors, we are very, very good at leveraging uh, money, mm-hmm. right? We're very good at leveraging money. We don't understand that I can buy a property for 20% down and a bank's going to give me 80%, right? We're good at leveraging people. I'll get some guys to help me find a property. I'll get a realtor. I'll get a mortgage broker. I'll get all these people. The one thing we are very, very bad at as entrepreneurs is time. Right. We are very bad at leveraging our time because if there's 25 hours in the day, we will spend 25 hours working our asses off to try to be successful. I know a lot of people that work 24.2 hours a day and they fail. Right. So working hard is not relatable to being successful. Right. People think it is. It's like, I'll just put in more hours in the day. I'll just work harder. Doesn't work. Yeah. But I know people that are super successful and they work less than I do. And I'm thinking, okay, what is it they're doing? And the one thing I've learned for me, at least from, from talking to some very successful people is they say no more than they say yes. And they're a lot more protective of the, they told me, they said, look, the only thing I have to protect is my time. I can make more money. I can meet more people. I can never make more hours in the day. Right. So I, I'll never forget. I tell this story all the time. I I met with a very, very successful uh, entrepreneur, probably a billionaire. I don't know, but very, very wealthy. And uh, he talked, we, we chatted a little bit, and he, I said, I'd love, to, I'd love to you know, talk with you a little bit about what we're doing at Empire and growing the company. He said, absolutely. He said, you have 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then he looked at his watch. <laughs> he said, you got 12 minutes. And, and I was like, he said, listen, I, I like you. I love what you're doing. I think you're going to be great. He goes, but I have to protect my time. He goes, because if I say yes to you, I'm saying no to other things that are just as important, if not more. He goes, I, I want to give you your time. I want to give you all my attention. But all I can give you is 12 minutes. I have to be selfish with my time. So, of course, right. it took me three minutes to think about what I needed to talk to him. Now I had nine minutes left to talk with this guy. Right. But it was a valuable lesson. And I think to myself, as entrepreneurs, as we spend so much time wasting trying to do it ourselves and not leveraging. Right. And I think that's a problem in the investing world. I think a lot of us investors think they have to do it themselves. I'll go find the deal myself. I'll rehab it myself. I'll do this. And they don't factor in the time. And more importantly, I think what they don't factor in is the mental stress. Right. And that's something, again, unless you've been on that side of the fence like I have and have those sleepless nights of all these mortgages wondering how you're going to pay them and tenants calling me and, and my, me like not even wanting to answer my phone because they're just they're like taking over my life, you know. Right. People don't realize what that's like. Yeah, and I think they don't see the deals that they're they're missing. They're missing so many deals. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they're out there marketing and doing things and that maybe they shouldn't be doing, or they're trying to manage their own properties. And now because they're doing that, they can't go find the next property. Next property sitting right in front of them, but they can't see it because they're got their hair down yeah. working. So. Yeah, I think you got the guy that puts together the team to go buy two houses a month. Yeah, like, yeah. Dude, you don't need a team. You just yeah. want to buy two houses a month. Exactly. <laughs> just buy two houses a month. I tell people, you know, like you can make a lot more money sitting behind a desk and signing a contract and I can't drive right. in, drive in here, drive in there, drive in there looking. And, you know, I had a guy one time, uh, he was up in Seattle or I think it was Seattle. And I, I spoke at an event up there. So he came down, he wanted to buy some properties. He says, Hey, I got, I got, I got a deal on, I got a contract. I locked one up. I'm like, Oh, you know, good for you. And he says, uh, yeah, I'm going to fly down and take a look at it. And I said, Oh, okay. I said, are you an inspector? <laughs> and he's like, no. And I said, well, Oh, I said, are you an appraiser? He's like, no. And I go, well, don't take this the wrong way, but what value do you have coming down here? Right. And he goes, well, I'm buying the house. I said, okay. I said, well, what does that mean? 
He goes, well, I want to take a look at it. And I said, it's four walls and a roof. Like, what, what are you, like, you don't have houses in Seattle? <laughs> like, really? Like, and he goes, well, I, I just want to look at it. I said, listen, I said, you need to learn to value your time. I said, you get a team. They do the inspection. Right. They do the appraisal. They give you all that. You determine that. Your team gives you that information. You leverage your team. They find you the deal. You get someone to finance it. Your team is doing that. I said, if you want to come to Houston and hang out, drink some beers, I'm all for it. But know why you're coming. You add no value coming. I said, you are buying four walls and a roof. I, Empire, own the business that's going to be operating inside of that four walls and the roof that's going to actually give you the return. I go, you are buying the shell. Right. Our business model is what's actually going to get you the return. I said, you should be more interested in how we're going to run your business than looking at a shell of four walls and a roof. I said, because I know a lot of people that have bought four walls and a roof and have run it right into the ground because they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have the business model. I said, you as an investor should be more focused on how you're going to run the business. I said, you're the CEO of the company. We're the operating system. And I said, you need to, I said, whether you have one property or you have 50, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know what? That's good advice. I said, if you want to come, come on down. I said, you know, the, the, to me, the biggest challenge, and tell me what you guys think. I think when people, uh, when they buy a rental property, they equate that the same as them living in a house, which is a disservice. Right. Because it's not the same. Right. No. There's a business running inside of that four walls and a roof. You live in that house. Right. But you equate it to them. Well, I lived, or especially if you lived in a house and now you moved out and now you're going to rent it out. I think that's the worst because yeah, they call just. call those accidental landlords. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, and we have to tell them, listen, you know, I mean, we, this is a, you are now running, you are now running a business. And so what I explained to them, I said, if you own a business, let's say you own 10 houses. And those 10 houses were, let's just say it's worth a million dollars, right? Million dollars. So you have a million dollar business. If someone like you walked up and said, hey, I want to work for you. I want to be your CEO. I've got no experience. I've never done this before. I don't know the laws. I don't have any systems. I don't have any policies or procedures. But I got a pretty good feeling that I could do this because I've lived in the house before. Would you hire yourself? (laughs) <laughs> I go, Not because that's what you're doing. Right. But you're, you are hiring a CEO that knows nothing about right. it. And then when it fails, you're shocked. I can't believe this didn't work. Real estate doesn't work. I'm like, real estate works. It's the business models that normally fail. So let, let's talk about what you guys are doing uh, with your with your weekly, your monthly meetups. Because I, I thought that's very pretty cool. So you do a monthly meetup. Right. And let's go to walk me through how you guys came up with this idea and where it's going. Right. Tackle it. So, I mean, helping people. For me, uh, when we joined forces, I was spending about eight grand a month in marketing. I don't know what you were spending at the time, but I looked at all of uh, all of Andre's leads. It was something like two hundred of them that were from the last month. Or leads last as far month, as house, month, houses, sorry, people trying to get rid of their leads, houses yeah, at some point. Yeah. And there was right. only like two or three that overlapped. Okay. Wow. In two hundred. Wow. So, I mean, I just realized at that point how big Harris County is. Yeah. And how much bad information is out there. I'd spent, you know, two and a half years knocking wholesalers. And then here I am. Now I'm going to become one. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's like, all right, let's change this perception a little bit. And we talked about it. And, you know, we had a bunch of people coming by the office and asking for help and, you know, talking to them at meetups. We saw an opportunity to help people. That's great. And so we just started the meetup. Didn't think much about it. Um, we just started. And then so, from there, it's just been helping people. And right? so so explain, explain to people what you guys are doing. Yeah, so um, like Andy said, we wanted – 
um, to kind of change the name of the wholesaler. We had a lot of people that were out there saying, well, wholesalers always have bad deals. I can't find a good deal from a wholesaler or their numbers are incorrect and all that. And so we wanted to change that. So this meetup is really about um, being able to teach your wholesalers how to be able to find properties. All right. So we, we go through marketing, the different types of marketing, how you should send it. How so you, you, guys are, you guys are educating wholesalers how to run their businesses better. Right. right. Mm-hmm. This isn't for people to buy deals from you. No, no, we don't. No, we're not. We don't have I mean, it does present an opportunity for our buyers, for us to help our buyers build their portfolio through Absolutely. people bringing deals in. Absolutely. Right. Um, but yeah, we're not selling any of our properties or selling anything in the room. And and from there, it's it's you know how do you go out and talk to people, right? How do you talk to sellers? How do you acquire the properties? And what we wanted is that when like for our properties, when we put them out there, we want the investor to make a decision on this is the property that they want because this is the area, this is the type of um, investment that they wanted. We didn't want them to have to look at it and say, well, the after repair value is wrong, the you know the rehab number is wrong. We want them to feel comfortable to know that these numbers are correct all they have to do is decide is this the correct investment for them right right and that's what we're teaching in this class is to it's not really i guess not really a class but a meetup but that's what we're we're, we're teaching and that is how to go out there and buy it right and that so that you don't get a bad name and give your business a bad name where people don't even want to open your emails and give the industry a bad name right in general because it affects all of us absolutely Um, we look at people like you know people put bandit signs out all the time andy calls every bandit sign that he that he runs across and introduces himself and you You'd be surprised how many people don't answer the phone, right? And just imagine. So they go through the effort. They go through the effort, and then they, they're either out of business or they're just not available. I don't know, but they don't answer. Yeah, and so just imagine the seller who is already skeptical because they see this sign, and then they, they call it, and no one answers. They say, you know what? I knew that was a scam. Yep. I'm not going to do this. I'm yeah. just going to find Go the other way. Some other way. Or they, they procrastinate longer. And they get in a worse in a situation. deeper situation, right. and so that that it all plays into it. And so we want to be uh, the person to be out there and to to change all of that. So let me ask you this: What what so far? How is the perception? How is it? How many how many of these have you guys done? We started in February, I believe. So right? eight yeah. of them. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. and so but is it is it gaining momentum? And and are you guys get the first six months people, first six months or so people kept asking, you know, what are we selling? Right. right. Everyone's waiting like, for the shooter right, drop, yeah, right? What, yeah, what are you guys yeah. offering? Right. What now? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, y'all have a good night. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, man, that was great. Right. Well, and, so. and the thing is, is when you when you start becoming the educator, right? right. I mean, I'm a big believer in education. Yeah. I'm a big believer in abundance theory. You help more people get you where you want to go, you're going to get there. And right. I think the more that you guys do this, you know, th- this could this could spawn off into an educational boot camp for wholesalers, you mm-hmm. know, because I think that, like you had said, that it's such a low barrier to entry that's good, but it's more bad. Yes, right. it is. You know, you don't need a brick and mortar office, right? You need a cell phone and maybe maybe a website. I don't even know if you need a website for this. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, I mean, you don't. You know, <laughs> and, and, and like you said, the challenge. And I think on top of that is the people that are putting their faith in the wholesalers to help them out of this situation, and then them not coming through. Do, what are the numbers of people that actually? Get something under contract and actually get it through. Do you know? Is there? I mean, I'm I'm sure. We've no heard one... numbers thrown out there. I don't I don't know what the actual statistic is. Right, but I'd, I'd imagine you know because there are some wholesalers that that's how they they run their business. They run their business. They they lock it up and try to take the price down as it goes. And we we kind of teach against that, right? Right. Um, we want to make sure that when you go into the house, that if you say, okay, this is the price that we're gonna 
you're, we're going to buy that, then that's where you buy that, right? right. Um, if that means that you, you lose money, then that's that's one that you lost money on, okay? Take your licks. Right. But, um, so we, most wholesalers won't do that. Yeah, most most won't do that, right? And that's where we're, we're trying to get them, people to, to learn to honor their word, um, you know, in the house, unless there was something that um, the seller held back, right? Misrepresented, yeah, misrepresented right. Yeah. But outside of that, you went there and you looked at it and said, oh, this is where it needs to be, and that's where it needs to be. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, there's something to be said with, with you following through and being true to your word. Right. right? Um, so what what kind of price points are you guys focusing on now in the current market? Like what's what's your niche right now? Yeah. So f- so with the marketing, we're usually down it down to houses under a $200,000 ARV, okay. under 2,000 square foot homes in suburbia. So you want something that an investor would want and a say rental. this, this right. goes. Are you, do you guys have uh, parameters that you're looking at as far as um, percentages and stuff like that? Or you just kind of, you know, you take it a case by case basis? It varies by the area. Bar- yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, it right. definitely varies by area. If it's Deer Park, it's different from Cypress, from Katy. Do you guys notice some areas, you know, it, 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 they're cycles, right? Some areas right, right. are hot and then all of a sudden they kind of fizzle. And then do you guys notice some areas that are starting to, to bubble up a little? Yeah, so we noticed that. You know, I noticed that with um, you had like Third Ward area um, where it for once is that coming some, up? Is that up and coming? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's coming back up. I mean, it's up, <laughs> it's high right now. So is it really? Yeah. So if you get something there, it's. I mean, people are starting to notice their value. Third uh, Ward, third Third Ward area. Third yeah. Ward, like yeah. what? What? What areas? I'm just curious because yeah. I almost bought an apartment complex over there. Right. Uh, See, so if you can buy it at the right price, then you're you're doing well. But what we're noticing is that you know houses that before you can go in there and get them for you know 100k or so below um you know people are selling those things as is in the twos right um where so now it's getting a little bit more difficult to find a property really? uh, at a value and, and especially a rental you, you're most likely not going to find a rental in an area so no it's going to be a flip in most cases in that area now as you get it over into like 021 that area you, yeah. you'll, you'll get more flip uh rentals are those higher uh, are those higher price points because i had uh, some stuff there too that we sold <laughs> i'm yeah, just curious yeah, the, point, the, the price points are lower there so okay. it's, i mean it's not that far away it's it's, it's a lot lower i mean i was buying stuff in like the, improved over the last yeah, year it's improved it's, it's, it's close mcgregor to mcgregor palms that area right we had a bunch of stuff that we sold of course, we're probably timed it wrong because that's, yeah, that, you know, it's coming back. We're, I mean, I we're getting stuff in the 30s. There. Right. What are they now? Just so I know. Yeah. So you're going to be a little <laughs> bit higher than that. Um, we try to get them around that price, around yeah. the 30s. Uh, but we're seeing ARVs pushing up into the 120s to 140s now really? in that area. And of course they are because we yeah. sold all our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> same thing in, um, you know, we look over in South Park, 033. Oh. Um, it's the we're, same we're, thing. we're the 033 kings, man. Yeah. I, yeah, it's funny. So, you know, talk about, you know, when you're when you're a self-landlord. So uh, whenever we try to rent our properties, you mm-hmm. know, before we understood the value of our time, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would go out and we would we would throw these bandit signs. Right. So what I did is I would actually make handmade signs. So right. I would go to Walmart and I would get fluorescent construction signs, yellow, orange and, and green. And then I would go to Home Depot and I would get cardboard and then I would get stakes and then I would basically, I had this like assembly line in my garage, right? So I would, uh, you know, m- must rent, motivated, you know, deposit special. I'd have all these things. And I would just put like 3-1 or 3-2 or, or whatever right. it was, yeah. not an address. And then my number would be really big. And we didn't put an address because we had so many vacant properties. So <laughs> we, <Right>. we would <laughs> want to reuse these signs, right? So what I would do is I would go out at like 3 in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. 
Never forget this. Oh, Multiple. I mean, I did three, three, three in the morning. Three okay. in the morning. Well, okay. well, the reason the reason I did that is all all the gangbangers and drug dealers were gone by then because the bars were closed and the people getting up for work weren't up yet. So right. it was kind of that witching hour. So I'd get up at like two, two fifteen, leave my house. I'd get there about three, and every time there was an intersection, I would get out and put signs around the corner. And I'm running around the ghetto basically at three in the morning throwing signs. I, I I remember a buddy of mine, I told him where I was going and he was like, You're going where? You're doing what? I'm like, No, hey, man. I'm like, I'm, and I'm like, No, man, it works, you know? It's a lot of work for passive income. It was a lot of work. And the problem was is so when you advertise bad credit okay and rent special, mm-hmm. guess who calls you? People with shitty credit and people that want so what you asked for. Be careful what you ask careful for. Careful what you, you ask for. So we would, our phones would explode in the morning of people calling us, right? Because I, I was pretty good at where I'd place them because mm-hmm. you always put them when they're stopping, and I had all this figured out. And uh, so what's funny is, is we we had so many calls, we had to start diverting them to a, a just a direct voicemail at the time just to take the calls, wow. and then we'd read through them. Now. The challenge with that is our average tenancy was eight months. Why? Because we would advertise bad credit okay. Well, guess who comes to rent bad credit okay rentals? People with right. shitty credit. The problem was is when they would leave, they would take parting gifts with them, like wiring, <laughs> oh, no. air conditioning units. I, I think Pete and I must have air conditioned half of Southeast Houston right. because every time a tenant left, man, they would take half yeah. of the ACs with we, them. We see that. The yeah. light, they take light bulbs. They take toilets. I mean, it was- The head changed. It, it was unbelievable, you know. I mean, we must have rebuilt houses at least five times, you know, which is one of the reasons we got out of there. Um, but anyway, so that's why I was curious that what's going on in that area. So yeah. that is an up and coming area. Yeah, huh? that area is still is still hot. I mean, your rentals are still around twelve hundred. Sunnyside, right? Yeah, Sunnyside. Uh, it's a it's it's good because you figure you have new builds going that area. Yeah, but you have to watch the street that you're going on because if you buy in the wrong area and there's new developments down the street then flipping that house won't be a good thing, sure. right? Yeah. Um, because most likely it's going to be torn down later. So let me ask you guys this. So you guys, you guys are in the heat of battle. You guys, are, you guys are battling it out. You know, What is your biggest fear of going on right now? Coming into 2019, what do you guys see as a, as a potential problem to your business model or to the industry as a whole? You know, there's a, I mean, you have a lot of these um, open door um, that's here in Houston now. You have other ones that are coming in. Uh, What's Open Door? Here. So op- Open Door, they're they're almost like a um, um, a sophisticated wholesaler, I guess you can say. And so they come in, and um, you can go online, put your house online, and they'll send you your offer in the mail. All right, to buy your house cash. Okay. Really? Um, and then they'll send an inspector out, and they'll, the inspector will come out, take a look at the house. And if the house needs work, either you can pay for it or they'll just back it out at a price, but they don't charge all the fees, like the realtor fees and things like that. That's what they claim. Okay. Um, but they're you're buying still paying a, for it. Yeah, you're, still paying, yeah for you're paying one way or the other. Right. But they're buying a lot of properties, right? If you look at them in other states, I mean, they're buying hundreds of properties in these states. So they've raised a lot of money. And there's, a, there's quite a few of those type of companies that are entering the market. Um, we're not seeing them in our space because we're playing in a in, in a space that they're not in we're in that more of a, a little bit more of a distressed property so they're, are they are they at, at a higher price point they're or? a little bit higher price point they're looking for um the you know, maybe the working the working uh, younger person okay. um, that's maybe looking to move that have a house that's maybe six seven years old i got you um, that needs a little bit of work but they don't want to put the work into it i think they do 25 or less yeah is that right yeah Okay, so if it's got 25 or less needed, they're in if, if right. it's more. And they make their money on cheap money. You know, they've raised money so that they have very they cheap money and they can, they can go out and make a lot of, make a, um, buy a lot of houses that way. 
Um, so our thing is, is as we go out there, is to make sure um, that we're watching that, you know, and staying ahead of, um, of of that as they as they enter enter the market because we've we've seen that in other markets. Are they are they in Texas? Or are they they're in Houston? Texas, they're, in Houston. they're in Houston. Already. Oh, they're in Houston. They're, they're just, just moved into. They're Houston. just in the upper threshold at this point. Yeah, they, I'm gonna stack a mill of. Yeah, they're in the house. They, they're mel- <laughs> their, their marketing is is on point. Really? Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you'll start seeing them now. Do you think that will? Uh, yeah, now that you've mentioned yeah. it, I'll just, probably. Their notice. marketing is so good when you say their name, it'll just start showing up. <laughs> well, that, that's the whole Alexa, Google, <laughs> Facebook right, yes. conversation. That yeah, I, I've learned that. Um, so let, let's talk about this as as wholesalers and flippers. What mm-hmm. you know, everybody talks about the the great things you guys are doing, and you guys are doing some great things. And um, by the way, let everyone know when is your your meetups? When are they? So we have it the first Monday of each month. It's okay. at six thirty p.m. and it's at it's at the Hilton um, Garden, Garden Inn. Inn, and it's just north of um, just right by the Methodist Willowbrook Hospital. Okay. Um, so it's uh, you can go to meetup.com, go to Wholesale Nation, and all the information is there. Great. Okay. And we'll we'll, we'll push that out as well okay. for you guys. Um, but what I'd like to talk about now is I want to hear from each of you. Give me one of those down and dirty. <laughs> No shit, failure stories that you just say, oh my, I mean, just punched in the face, kind of, you weren't expecting and it happened. And then how'd you get out of it? Because look, everyone knows the great stories, right? Everyone hears the flash. I want to hear, and people want to hear. You have to do Brentwood. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you paused, I want to hear it. Uh, Andy started it. This is not one of our finest moments. That's what I want to hear. That's what people want to hear. I'm actually embarrassed to tell. Even Uh, even better. Now I definitely want to hear it. So we contracted a house in Channel View. Okay. Um, it's one of those in the country, doesn't have a whole lot of comps. We really didn't have a whole have a whole lot of basis for value. Okay. There was one comp that sold next door. It was a 3-2. Needed uh, less work, still as is type scenario. But still, we didn't know what, what the actual value was. We negotiated a price. Um, it turned out that that was a very good price. And we gave the guy actually a little bit more than what he wanted. Okay. So not very often that happens that way. Every now and sure. again it does if you do enough marketing. So, um, and that says something about you guys to, to do that. You know, I mean, there's a lot for you guys to give the guy more money than he asked for. Yeah. I, you know, we didn't know what we had anyways, right, but right. it turned out that it was a really good deal. Okay. <laughs> so the next day at our, our meeting and most of our properties, we like to sell on a relationship basis. We know somebody, we want to get to know somebody in the area that's buying when, when we contract a, a property, we sure. want to know who's who and what's happening in the market. So we called the guy that bought the, the house next door. So it turns out he's an owner finance guy. We ended up negotiating a, a price where we got a pretty good spread. So in playful banter, I suggested that we go ahead and blast <laughs> the property out to our list. Just to kind of give you just guys to, some, to let yeah, people know you guys are, know you guys that, are you getting know, stuff done. I get it. Right. We, didn't, we weren't seeing any, any emails. We yeah. were just selling stuff over the phone. So it's like we want to let people know that we're still here. Absolutely. So, um, well, we blasted it out at a, a very good price and ended up drawing the attention of some wholesalers with, uh, let's just say their moral compasses were off. And they went direct <laughs> to the seller. I see where this is going. So they, went, they ended up going direct to the seller, coaching him into you know, putting the brakes on our agreement to give him more money. They doubled so our agreement. They, they doubled, they our doubled. They doubled, doubled our, our agreement, yeah. So we were making a $40,000 assignment. Wow. Um, which doesn't happen very often, but yeah. sometimes it does. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was – from then it was just her coaching him how to drag his heels. And, and we, we followed them over the course. We had every intention of closing. 
You know, did, we didn't assign the contract. We were going to do a double close. We were going right. to you know, make sure that we took possession and sold it. So what was the end result? Did you get through the deal or did you guys have to walk away? So we, we got her off the deal. But okay. we had already damaged the relationship with the seller. Yeah. So that, there was no one get, going back from that point. I he ended you. up selling it to two other people. They opened up title. They popped our memo. Of course, we said, hey, we have every intention of closing. You know, we tried to adjust the price. We tried to match the price. There was no connecting back with the seller. So it was, I mean, it was dumb on my part to, uh, you know, to do that, you know, but it was also dumb that we didn't solve his problem. It turned out that he really needed more money um, because he didn't know where he was going to live. We didn't solve his problem. So he kept looking for an avenue to solve his issue. And we didn't listen. But once, once it had reached this point, the relationship was damaged. Right. So a guy actually ended up closing without title insurance. <laughs> he went to sell it, owner finance, of course, popped our memo. <laughs> yeah. I, I. <laughs> so, so he popped our memo, memo and ended up paying us to release it. Really? So, so we, you still still made, got... we still made a little bit of money, but, you know. That's fair. And a, a very valuable lesson learned. Okay, so right. that's what I want to hear. What was the lesson that you guys learned that you can tell other people? Uh, well, we need to solve the seller's problem. Don't right. get greedy. Yeah, sometimes that low price might not solve their – that didn't solve his problem, right? And he wanted to know where he was going next and really listening to the seller when you go in. Um, you know, sometimes they may just be caught up in the moment and they accept your offer. But you have to make sure now we're, we talked about – we talk about pressure testing the um, the contract. You know, once we get it on a contract, we want to walk the seller through the process and make sure that they understand what's going to happen next sure. and that they feel comfortable moving forward. This guy, obviously, when our salesperson left the house, he didn't feel comfortable at the price that he was at. Um, of course, it didn't help that someone came in and offered double the price. Yeah. Uh, but we, if we had prepared him for that, then um, that most likely wouldn't have happened. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've always been taught that people buy on emotion, then they back it up with logic. Mm -hmm. So they'll make a decision on emotion. Right. But then after it'll settle in, then they'll make it logical. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges as businesses is we sell solutions, but people buy to fix their problems. And many, many times those are not connected. Right. So we're selling this great solution going, hey, we can do this, we can do that. And the guy's going, yeah, but I've got this problem. Right. And so emotionally, you guys may be able to make that connection, but it never, like you said, it never actually solved his problem which ultimately was the challenge. And it's not that you were doing anything. You know, that's what I tell people. When, when there's somebody that, that you know, you, you get a good deal on or, you, you know, you flip or you, whatever it is, negotiate something, you get a good deal. It means that you connected with that person. There was rapport, right? You, you were able to establish that with them. Like, you're not going to force anyone to do anything, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they, he made a decision based on what he thought was right at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Then he came back and thought logically and thought, well, and then he had outside information help, yeah. coming in telling them that maybe you know which maybe hindsight you don't blast a property right. <laughs> until, you yeah. know maybe after you'd say hey we just did this deal and this is what the numbers were right. come talk to us that right. that may be a an idea in yeah. the future you yeah. know um so let me ask you this what what are you guys doing now look you know everything is about getting better right we're right. all trying i'm trying to get better you guys are trying to get better you and i ran into each other at, at growth con grant cardone last year right what are you guys doing now to to kind of make yourselves better 
Yeah, so we we you know we continue to to spend money on our education. Um, invest, you invest yeah, money, right? On education. Yeah, yeah. Did I say spend? Invest. You did. Uh, so we continue to invest money on our education. Um, we we met in a mastermind, and that's you know that's where we first met, and we joined another mastermind. We're part of boardroom with Kent Clothier and Sean mm-hmm. Terry and uh, Justin Colby, um, and that's been great because we've had a chance to even though they're really great, it's the people that in the room um, that we really um, learn the most from. Right, that's we get great. to see what other people are doing in other markets and be able to bounce ideas off of them because they're in the trenches with us and uh, we're able to, to to learn from them all right so and we will continue to do that we'll continue to invest in our education and and um, and continue to get better our thing is is um, once we get that information um, we able to go out and do like our meetup and things like that and I think it helps us because when we're out there telling other people how to do it for me it's just like a teacher you start to become you become sharper when you take the information that you've gotten from maybe your mentors, and then you go out and show other people how to do it, and it kind of holds you accountable also. So that's that's I think that that's what you know what, what we continue to do. And, and I think when you can teach it mm-hmm. and you can explain it, that means you really understand it, right? And that that's it. You know, a lot of times, you know, we go to these events, just like you know Grant Cardone and these other events. You go to, you get so much information. It's the it's the the implementation. Sometimes it's the challenge. And right. where do you begin? Like, how do you eat this big elephant? Right. We, we've learned all this stuff. You learn all this great information from these amazingly successful people. Now it's like, okay, how do I digest this to actually? put this into a working model. And, and it, I think it's a struggle for everyone. I think, you right. know, um, they say that when you come back from a, from an event, you should take all of your notes, put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer <laughs> and make it sit there for a week and don't do anything for a week with all of your notes because, you know, you come home, you want to change the world, right? Yeah, I'm right. doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing Overload. that. And then, yeah, and you get maybe 10% of everything done and you never accomplish any of them. Right. And then you kind of feel defeated because you go, well, shit, man, I, you know, I spent all this money. I did this, I did that. I got nothing out of it. Right. You know, and, and the reality is, is you get a lot of things. It's just, how do you digest it? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to take two to three things and then go to implementation right away. If you don't do that, then yeah, you either won't do it or it's, you know, you just, you'll usually freeze up or yeah. you try to do too much. Right. And you, you don't accomplish anything. What What's some of the, the best educational platforms you guys have found to date that have gotten you, whether it's business or mental or, you know, self-development, what have you guys found that you go, man, that was, that was the, one of the things that really got us going. Um, man, I'd have to say the boardroom was, um, was where we, we really started to take off together. Cause that's when we first joined forces. Um, I think it's made a massive impact on our business, not only to be able to rub elbows with some guys that are going through the same thing that we are, but also to, to kind of compete with them. Yeah. You know, from that level to see them once every quarter, Hey, where you been? What's accountability. happened since we last saw you? Right. Accountability is um, huge. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it narrows our focus. We ba- break everything up into three month groups. So we're only looking at the next three months. Yeah. That's great. Is the same. Do you yeah, agree? I would, I would say the exact same thing. Is yeah. there, is there anything that advice you would give to other people that are either very successful in business or starting out that, you know, maybe not everyone should be in the boardroom if they're starting out mm-hmm. or, you know, is there, what yeah. would, what advice would you give people? So the advice I would give people, and I was thinking about that on the way over here is, you know, I thought about what, you know, what was the shift that came in me, right? And the shift that came in me is that at, at an early age, I had a mentor 
mm-hmm. that kind of just stepped into my life by an accident. I was actually walking into a, um, and this was like in, in the late 90s, um, I was walking into a Carlton, Carlton Sheets event. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking up the stairs, there was a guy that was walking down. He said, hey, you like a pretty sharp guy. And he introduced me to network marketing. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to another guy named Ron Goodwill. And this guy was the, he was my mentor. I had never seen anyone that was an entrepreneur. I talked to anyone that's an entrepreneur before. And he spent some time with me and he taught me how to speak. And I remember the first time I got ready to speak, I like froze up. And so I would tell people, um, if, if anything, if you can't join anything, go find somebody um, that's doing something at a high level and see if you can add value to them, right? And, and see if that person can become your mentor, all right? If you can't do that, go read a book and go get on YouTube and go see what, see what they're saying. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, you and I are about the same age. I'm not sure how old you are. But, you know, growing up, you know, Audibles and YouTube, th- those didn't exist. Right. You know, I mean, I remember I had to go to the library to get <laughs> stuff or buy yeah. books and stuff and, you know, cassette tapes, you know, of all these things. And so now the the ability to have a, a billionaire, multimillionaire talking in your ear mm-hmm. while you're in your car, while you're at the gym, while you're doing this – it's so abundant. I mean, right. you know, for uh, like you said, I mean, you had to go to an event right. to actually buy someone's product to take it home and consume it or, or buy the book or something. And there wasn't even that many during no. the 90s that, that even existed with this kind of stuff. Even into the 2000s, about mid is when it started. Right. So, I mean, it, it's amazing the opportunities that exist for people is just it's it's amazing so um tell everyone again about the event when it is how they find you website email all that kind of stuff yeah so um so for the wholesale business if there's anyone that wants to get on a buyer's list you can just go to dracoproperties.com and then for our meetup it's the first monday of each month it's at 6 30 p.m it's at the hilton garden inn um just uh right next to the willowbrook methodist hospital um and uh so we welcome anyone to come out if you want to learn, um, you know, how to find properties, how to market and how to talk to sellers. Um, we definitely like to have you out. Yeah. And again, you know, if anything, just go to mix with other people that are entrepreneurs. You may mm-hmm. not even be into flipping and wholesaling, but just talking to yeah. other people that want to operate and want to operate at a higher level. I tell people, you know. Just because I don't run marathons doesn't mean I don't hang out with people that are athletes like right. that. Because you know, you you everyone operates at a higher level, and it just makes you want to be better. So I like going to these events because I just like talking to people, and you kind of just listen to what they're doing. And it, I don't flip or wholesale. I've done it. I know right. it. I get it. But I I just like hanging out with those kind of people because you just get that vibe. You know, people that are always trying to be better. There's something to be said with that. Right. And I I think it's I think it's great. And I think what you guys are doing are great. And I, you know, I wish you luck because I think you guys are going to be very successful. And I honestly think that that's going to morph into other things for you. I, right. I can see this expanding more and more in what you're doing. Um, so, you know, I want to thank you guys for coming today. I know you thank got you stuck with a little yeah. traffic. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, hey, look, it, it's one of the things. I'm just like you guys, right? I'm out there grinding. We're buying properties. I'm looking for stuff. Everyone's looking for another way through the mousetrap of success, right? And, and you guys have a great way. And, you know. Mm-hmm. I recommend if, if someone wants to know more about wholesaling or flipping, give these guys a call. You know, I mean, the fact that they're willing to give you free information to make your business model better, that's huge. Right. You know, that's huge. And if, if you want to talk to us, go to our website, selfmanagemyproperty.com. You can go on there. We have free forms on there. I have a Facebook group 
Landlord Survival Group on Facebook. Go on there. We have a lot of investors on there, and a lot of these people talk about real things that are going on, not just in Houston, not even in just the United States. I've got people all over the world that are on this group, and they talk about challenges, and it's a way for a community to come together and try to stay with like-minded people. If you want to be a self-landlord and you want to do that, hey, get our book, The Ultimate Landlord Survival Handbook. You will not be displeased by what is in there, let's just say, because this is the blood and guts of what we use to manage over a thousand properties on a daily basis. I'm telling you, if you don't want to get in trouble, get this book because it will keep you out of trouble and it'll actually let you realize that you do run a business. So go to selfmanagemyproperty.com. Obviously, if you want to talk to us about managing properties, go to empireindustriesllc.com. We'd be happy to talk with you do a one-on-one wealth building strategy session just to try to make you a better investor. And again, it's all about meeting with people, getting to know these people, getting on their mailing list and understanding what they do because you got to remember that you're running a business. Guys, I want to thank you for coming today. Really appreciate your Thanks time. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. And we'll see you guys again. We'll talk to everyone next week. Thanks for listening. This has been the Landlord Survival Show. Join us next time for more of what the gurus don't tell you about owning rentals. And for even more, find us on Facebook. Brought to you by Empire Industries Property Management. Built for investors by investors. For more information about this show, visit our website, selfmanagemyproperty.com, home of the ultimate landlord survival handbook.